0: Welcome back to Beyond the Helmet. I'm your host, Steve McGrath. And in today's podcast episode, we're going to be chopping it up with Hall of Fame wide receiver, Isaac Bruce. Now, IsaacBruce.org is where you'd want to go to see the Isaac Bruce Foundation, which is what he is spending a lot of his time on. The Flight 300 program is a great program where he's helping students get to college and helping with other amenities, which is a problem that he faced once as a young man. And he's also involved in Smush Cookies. We're going to get into that endeavor as well. We're continuing our trend of talking to the most successful athletes, figuring out what they did to get that success and how they've translated it off the field. So before we jump into it, I also want to give a special thank you to Tiffany Burris for helping set this up. So without any further ado, here is Isaac Bruce. We're now welcomed by legendary Hall of Fame wide receiver, Isaac Bruce. Isaac, I want to kick this off. I really want to just sort of set the tone. You know, the Randy Mosses, Calvin Johnsons, you get these freak athletes that are just huge guys that you kind of look at them and go, hey, of course, they're going to go down as one of the greatest of all time. To set the tone for this conversation, can you tell me how someone that's just under six feet tall, runs in the mid four so fast, but not the fastest guy in the world, how does that guy go on to be one of the most prolific receivers of all time, over 15,000 receiving yards, over a 1,000 receptions, almost 100 touchdowns?
1: I think you normally see my body type, as opposed to those other two gentlemen that you just mentioned, uh, throughout the National Football League. Um, uh, the six foot one, the six foot two, uh, maybe one hundred eighty-five pounds, uh, maybe up to two hundred pounds. You normally see that, as far as playing the position that I played, and as long as I played. So um, I think it's it, it, le- it lies more with the inner fortitude that a person has. Uh, I felt like. Uh, you know, I was uh, I was uh, a person that inherited a lot of great uh, characteristics, uh, work ethics, and uh, 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 a lot of courage from not only my parents, but just the way they decided to bring me up. Uh, the belief system I have, uh, never say die, always fight to the end and, and continue to fight until I win. Uh, I think those attitudes, those mm-hmm. mindsets are what places a guy that probably looks small on that, on the outside, like I do, uh, but make me be successful, you know, at whatever I did, particularly uh, particularly at football. So football is one of those games where I just always believed I was the best and uh, no one or anything, situation or circumstance could change that.
0: Absolutely. So part of that inner fortitude, you know, I I really wanted to hit on how you really opened up and finished your Hall of Fame induction speech. uh, Yeah. Particularly with the line "Bluster, are you who comes in the name of the Lord?" I mean, you, you stands on its own and needs no explanation. But do you mind just speaking about? Of course, you wanted to open and close that speech with your, you know, religious beliefs and how important God is to you. But when you just think about what it takes that you know to have had this journey to get to this point, what exactly has that meant in terms of you just building that sort of mental uh, scaffolding of of how to approach life?
1: Well, actually, it was really building me. I was the one that needed to be edified, uh, needed to be brought up. And whenever I talk about the Lord, when I talk about Jesus, uh, he is what he is. He's the Alpha. He's the Omega. He's the Alif Taf, uh, more appropriately in Hebrew. But, you know, when you talk about my speech, um, there would be no speech without my Lord Jesus. Uh, There would be no ending of the speech without him. Uh, There would be no buildup. There would be none of what I see around me every day, no ability to create my own world without, you know, the finished works of uh, Jesus Christ, and being able to go through not only what we call the football journey, but the life journey, and be successful at it. Uh, my relationship was paramount. I mean, he's the catalyst. He's at the center. Uh, you know, I started noticing that very early in my life, where there are things that I wanted to do that wasn't conducive to uh, what has already been provided for me. I mean, I think those things that were on the on the left side would take shots at my, uh, my kingship. And I wanted to always be within my kingship and honor my king. So being able to mention him in my speech, that was, that was the easy part. Uh, the hardest part about it was just losing my iPad.
0: You know, I'm so glad you you hit on that because I was going to touch on the fact that really the first word you said is, where's my iPad? So you you had this whole thing ready and then it's not there. So to be able to go off the cuff like you did for basically 10 minutes, uh, you handled that audible very well.
1: Uh, You know, uh, thank God for the Holy Spirit. Um, You know, at that moment, I had an opportunity to get angry, walk away, not, you know, do the speech. Uh, Those are some of the thoughts that went through my mind. But at the same time, I was still by the, by the power of the Holy Spirit. He told me just relax at that moment. And, uh, you know, the scripture came to my mind was open your mouth and I'll feel it. So that's exactly what happened. Uh, you know, not many people get an opportunity to think some of the most important people in their family and their situation and their journeys publicly. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm grateful to God that I got that opportunity. And as far as I know, it was a success. I mean, just about everybody that I run into. Uh, you know, more than the gold jacket, more than the ring on my finger, they remember those words that are unseen that came out of my mouth at that moment, and that's what they started to talk about. That's how they start conversations with me. And,
0: and what I think is even more special about that is the the prototypical diva wide receiver that's outspoken. It's always me, me, me. Not only did you have the career that you've had, but you did it the way that you did it. And then when you did open your mouth, as someone that didn't speak a lot of words publicly. That's what you hit. I mean that. That to me is you know someone who whose words carry weight. Man, you struck the nail right on the head when you had the moment.
1: Yeah, you know I kind of use them as teaching moments. Uh, you know I got I got children that I'm raising. I had the privilege of raising, and always feel like you know the words are very important. The most powerful things that exist. At the same time, you know I think our actions that follow those words are important for those who are around us. Uh, maybe some people who don't even get a chance to shake our hands or meet us, uh, but those in our very own household, I think it's important that we live the life or exhibit the the behavior that we want them to have.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So I did want to just bring this back to when you were, you know, one of fifteen growing up with all these yeah. siblings. When you. I mean, again, to, to someone, for someone to be in the hall of fame, you know, you can say, well, this guy probably had all these different advantages to get there, but you are someone that, you know, I think that it's originally Purdue where you want to go, but that doesn't really work out. And then, you know, it's Juco and it might even be a second Juco before it's Memphis. I mean, it seems like you had all the reasons to not pursue this, to give up. It's too hard. It's not easy. Can you talk about just 17 to 22 years old, just navigating is there a plan B? Is it only football? Do you remember what your mindset was back then?
1: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, at the tender age of 17, I, I feel like uh, football was, uh, I don't like saying my only way, but it was the way that was presented to me at that time. Um, I knew since I was 12 years young, you know, that I'd be a professional football. It was it was much later than 17 that I figured out and realized that the, play, the guys who were playing on Sunday, they actually got paid to play football play football. Um, I knew how much I I enjoyed the game. I loved the game. I loved playing, going out and competing. And, uh, you know, it ended up turning into uh, one of those gifts that God had given me uh, because it was so easy for me. I mean, it it, it seems as if, you know, for 16 seasons in the National Football League, I never worked. I never had a job. I mean, it it was things that I would probably go do if I wasn't performing on Sunday, which is train, work out, uh, try to be the best at what I was doing. And just so fortunately that, you know, we had an audience every Sunday to go out and perform and do and, and show people, uh, you know, the, the the training or the story uh, that makes up the glory. So um, I was fortunate, uh, like a lot, of, a lot of other guys that have played this game and played at a high level, not only in football, but other professional sports and uh, just other professionals. There, there are different gifts that, that God gives us and, he gives us the ability to and helps us develop those gifts on the inside of us to be a blessing to others. And I felt like my football career was not only just a blessing to myself, but just about everyone that I came in contact with or who came in contact with me. Because I, obviously I haven't met everybody, but at the same time, there's uh, something that transpired or happened with me that touched their lives.
0: Yeah. Dude, when you see all those 80 Rams jerseys, you know, you, a lot more people know you than you know them. Yeah. Now, you, you did mention it in the Canton speech, uh, the nameless voice around the 94 draft. Now, as someone that clearly intrinsically seemingly had everything built in the right way where you were ready to go, did you actually have, or were you aware at the time of you know being a young man trying to make in the NFL that there were people that flat out did not want you or didn't think that you would make it? Did, did you know it at the time and how much did you need that extrinsic motivation since you already had everything internally that you needed?
1: Well, not only did I know there were people out there, but I also you know, had the revelation that there were unseen forces that worked behind those people that didn't want me to be successful. So um, I, I just took it head on. I mean, there were times, uh, you know, through ju- junior college, throughout Memphis, where I played uh, after my junior college years, uh, where there were just... Uh, you know, I feel like it was forces or things that were set up for me not to be successful. But, you know, what do you do when you when you face those uh, Red Seas or when you're, when you're in the wilderness? You do exactly what you've been taught. I mean, and from those moments uh, growing up, I had been taught to fight. I had been taught to fight the good fight of faith, uh, not lean on my own understanding um, and push through. So uh, when that's, those Goliaths came up in my life, I knew to open my mouth. I knew that I knew to use my authority and speak what I speak the end result as opposed as opposed to what was facing. me.
0: Absolutely. So I feel like we've, we're doing a lot of talking and thinking about at the macro level. I, I do want to yes. bring it down to the micro for a minute uh, while you're playing. And, and that is something that you talked to Akib Tlaib about on his show. Uh, yes. Basically, if I have this right now, it was like after that rookie season in L.A., that you really sat down and you put pen to paper for who you wanted to be and what you wanted to accomplish. If that's accurate and just correct me, if I've any of it wrong, you know, what were the goals that you had? How did you change your approach to put together this prolific career?
1: Well, up until that moment in my rookie year, you know, I, I came to the knowledge that, um, so many different set of eyes were on you and what you were doing in your career. Uh, they had opinions about, uh, you know what you are currently doing, how you were currently built, or the way you currently fit into your situation. So I thought it was important not only just to really ignore the outside noise, but to frame my own future. And part of framing my future was always to start writing down goals or how I saw myself that at that moment, or you know, just what the Lord said about me. So um I would choose to take his promises, or the way that he saw me, God Almighty, I'm I'm speaking of, and make that eyesight my eyesight. And one of the best ways I knew to do it was just to write it out every day. I mean, I'd sit in wide receiver position meetings. And, you know, once I got comfortable with the game plan, always felt like it was an opportunity for me to reiterate or just go over who I was on paper. And uh it changed my life tremendously um to this day, I still practice it uh It's something that I teach my family, and you know there are there are supernatural principles in that that supersede natural things and you know it's been working for me um uh it, it's 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 uh, taking me places and giving me the ability to have a different type of foresight for my life and uh something I pass on to my my family.
0: Now, one of the best lines in your Canton speech was uh, basically shouting out the defensive backs, the ones that baptized you and the the ones that you baptized. Part part of this, you you writing down your goals and who you are and what you want to be to to translate that into football. When it came to basically the the men that you have to go one-on-one against, were you just as your career goes on, what were you doing in terms of Dissecting who these different people were, and like, did you keep like a, a book on each person so that you know you, you, as you know, you go in, you have more reps, and you see these people and over and over again, you new tendencies. Just how did you approach winning that one-on-one battle?
1: That's a good question. Well, you know, for me personally, um, I always felt like I never needed a book on someone new that I would be meeting. I didn't want to know, uh, you know, what this person had been through or who he is right now? I just wanted to use, you know, my own experience with that person. So, and the best way for me to do that was to always stay built up, build up myself. And uh, one of the key things that I practice at that time, and I still practice today, is uh, meditation. And I like meditating on God's word um, because it builds me up. Um, it builds me up to, like I said earlier, to remind me that I'm a person that I don't have to fight my own battles. Um, I don't have to uh, be prepared to for for something new or to meet someone new, because I'm already I'm always prepared. And I just felt like those moments when I meet new people, when I come into contact with other with different people, it really wasn't based on how they treated me, but on the way I treated them. So that's more of what God looks at when He's looking at us: how you treat other people versus how you're being treated. So, um, you know, I'm in a process right now. Uh, teaching my children how to bless when you're being cursed or bless when you're being despitefully used. And, you know, I've tried the other way. It got me, uh, you know, to, to, to got me to some point, but it didn't get the relief or the peace, didn't bring those peace uh, that I wanted to feel. So doing it God's word way versus doing it my way, you know, 110%, I always go his way now.
0: So how do you translate this approach? You know, now you are kind of going to macro to micro the football world, but of course, you know, you've been out of the league for a, a minute. The Isaac Bruce Foundation has been around for quite a while, but I, I know that you're also involved in other endeavors. You know, we're going to talk about Smush Cookies. How have you, how have you been guided? You know, you, you can do anything in the world. How have you decided to navigate this space?
1: Well, using the same principles. I mean, there are a lot of... Uh great principles, supernatural principles that are used in the arena or the industry of football where other people in other industries, they can relate. I mean, I was fortunate not long ago to speak uh, before some naval, Navy SEALs. And when you talk, first of all, when you look at these guys, they come in all different shapes and sizes. You have tall, strong, muscular, and then you have the s- small peewee guys. I mean, guys who you would think that, you know, they won't be of much value, uh, you know, as being a Navy SEAL, but quite the contrary. These are probably some of the, the leaders of, of those uh, those groups. And just be able to be around these guys, hear their stories about what they went through, the way they train, uh, as, as opposed, uh, I mean, as, as training on the West Coast where the Pacific Ocean is a lot colder versus the East Coast here in Atlantic, and uh, just how it separates people uh, from being, uh, you know, an elite Navy SEALsman. The same way a training camp separates people from, you know, finishing or becoming a professional athlete. So those those principles that you practice on a day to day basis, as far as football is concerned, I mean, you can do it the same way with your family, in your in your marriage, uh, new relationships, uh, in your business. Those are the very same principles that are eternal, and they work when you work them.
0: So what is it? I, I understand everything that you're saying. But how do you ultimately decide to then translate that to a, a boots on the ground project, whether it is in the philanthropic space or it's just a purely entrepreneurial endeavor? You, know, uh, you have the scaffolding to succeed at whatever you want to do. That much is clear. But, but what is it about you, know, you saying, you know, I want to make sure that you know, college students that uh, don't have all the pieces together that I, I'm going to get them taken care of? You know, what What was it about any particular mission that you've set your mind to that spoke to you?
1: Well, uh, let's say a program like Flight 300. I was actually in the position where I needed an airline ticket to, to start my college career, my academic and athletic career in college. Uh, it was money that I didn't have. It was about $300 for airline ticket. Uh, my parents didn't have it at that moment. But at the same time, I still had that mindset that, you know, come June, whatever, 16th, 15th, uh, 1990, I was going to be getting on a plane and I was going to be headed to Los Angeles. That was my mindset. You know, miraculously, the money came, it showed up, got the ticket. Uh, and and some people say, would say the rest is history. But at the same time, when I got in a position to pro- pro- provide or meet that need for other students who may be in the same you know predicament that I was, I wanted to step up and I was fortunate to be able to do that through the Isaac Bruce Foundation, and we've provided airline tickets, uh, dorm decor, uh, Uber rides, Uber eats. Uh, you know, uh, uh, we we purchased uh, bags. Uh, you know, uh, travel fees for your bags. We do it all for, for students who can't afford it. And uh, we've been fortunate to come in to come into good par- partnership with American Airlines, where they provide us over four million airline miles to get this project pushed through to the next level.
0: That's awesome. So then why move on to cookies? What's the the logical progression to to making people happy in a different way? And from what I understand, this is uh, in the Fort Lauderdale area, but also uh, has it opened up in Canton, Ohio as well?
1: Well, the smush cookie idea uh, was was given to my wife. I mean, she, you know, she tasted the cookies first and thought it was a good idea to bring it to Florida. And, you know, I wanted to support her. She supported me in on, on numerous uh, endeavors, ventures. So I wanted to be there for her and make sure that, you know, she could uh, realize some dreams that she had. And I tasted the cookies. Uh, I signed off on the cookies as far as taste is concerned, but it's a very unique style of cookie. I mean, you have two cookies that uh, are bookends to a a glob of ice cream is what I like to call it. But um, you also add sprinklings and uh, toppings uh, like gummy bears and things of that nature. I mean, some people actually put Captain Crunch on a cookie. So imagine that. So I think when people have their cheat days or you know, they have multiple cheat days, I think Smush Cookies is where a person would like to go. And uh, we offer uh, uh, franchise opportunities for uh, Definitely your listeners, anyone else who's going to hear this podcast, uh, all the information you need to get is at smushcookies.com uh, or that's a uh, franchise smushcookies.com and smush is spelled S-M-O-O-S-H. So Smush Cookies is our next adventure and uh, we're in the process of making other people's dreams come true. Other entrepreneurs that are out there that want to be their own owner and kind of get out of the rat race of, uh, you know, working a nine to five. This is a place where I think you can park your money and uh, create a, a venture for your family where you, and not, on, not only you, but your, your entire family can be successful. Very cool.
0: Now, part of running really any business, you know, there's got to be a, a team atmosphere. And when I look at, you know, the, the success that the Rams had, the their greatest show on turf, a lot of personalities came together in a short amount of time. You know, it's kind of a tough 1998, but then 1999 comes in, Mike Martz, Marshall Falk, this guy Kurt Warner that's on the bench. I I don't know. He played in the indoor football league. No one really knows too much about him. Torrey Holkins drafted. and all of a sudden, greatness. When you when you look at it, a, a group of individuals coming together like that, where they're not there is no prior success. Do you need players to sort of believe that they can do this? Does, so belief has to come first, or or is it earned? What, what sort of, how do you get success with a group of individuals? Is what I'm getting at.
1: Well, I think it starts with belief. Um, You know, I preach uh, the importance of team sports uh, all the time. I mean, I just think that, you know, when you're a part of a team, you start to depend on that guy, that person, that girl that's next to you. And it not only does something for you uh, as far as taking your mind off yourself. And it it kills that that attitude of being self-centered. Because I want to be the best. I want to be the best for my partner here. Um, I just think back to uh, many times where uh, Tori Holt and myself were actually on the field. And I knew a play that was called, it was designed for Tory to get the ball. But at the same time, I wanted to be the best decoy I can be so I can help my partner be successful. Because I know when the tables get turned, he's going to do the exact same thing for me. Um, you know, just having so much talent like we had on those teams from uh, 1999 to about 2004, whatever it may have been, uh, you had a bunch of guys that were selfless. Um, you would have thought, you know, you walk into a, a locker room with so many, so many guys with so many accolades and great talent uh, who could command the ball or who, who probably has commanded football, commanded the ball in other places where they've been. But for every guy to just, you know, put that selfish attitude on the table and just leave it there. And we ended up burning those things. Uh, it just made our group mesh a whole lot better, better and sooner than a lot of people would have given us credit for. And, you know, one of the biggest things that we did as a team, we always celebrated each other's success, uh, no matter if it was Tory scoring, uh, Kurt Warner winning an MVP, Marshall Faulk winning an MVP. Uh, Orlando Pace being inducted to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. We were all there for each other and we made sure that we uh, showed showed them how just how excited we can be for each other.
0: And, and the fact that uh, so many of those key guys, you, of course, yourself, Kurt Warner, Marshall Falk, Orlando Pace, on the Hall of Fame, Coach Vermeule makes it. And I'm yeah. sure Torrey will be hearing his name at some point in the near future. Yeah. I'd like to believe so anyway. Um, so That's I just, cool. I, as we get towards wrapping up here, Cooper Cup, you know, just as someone that obviously has played the game at such a high level, when you see him, what is he doing right that makes him so special? I I mean, he's just um, the year he just had is just one of the best ever.
1: Well, you know what? I think he fits perfectly into uh, that group, that legacy of you know Los Angeles slash St. Louis Ram wide receivers that we've had throughout this franchise uh, for a very long time. I mean, you talk about Henry Eller. You talk about Tory Hope, You talk about Jack Snow. You talk about Harold Jackson. You talk about Crazy Legs. Uh, you just you just talk about a lot of guys. Flipper Anderson being one. And when you look at the personalities of those receivers or those guys, they had every right to be selfish. They had every right to to command the football uh, more. Uh, we had every right to just want to be you know the 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 center of attention on an offense, and also had the ability to back it up. But at the same time, I think, you know, like that group, Cooper Cup fits in there because he's unassuming. He's low key. Uh, he goes out and, and he does his job at the very highest level. Um, it's not like he's crying for attention. Uh, he's in one of the largest media bases uh, in the world. The second, uh, I, you know, I believe. But, you know, you would never know that he just goes out and uh, he just does his work. Uh, he's now a Super Bowl MVP, a Super Bowl champion. And I just think, you know, he's at the very beginning of his uh, illustrious career.
0: Yeah, We'll we'll see if you can put up Isaac Bruce numbers when it's all said and done. So to wrap this up, I just have a couple quick hitter questions for you. Just need your knee jerk answer to a few things, starting with what's most important, having the number one offense or the number one defense? We'll say defense. All right. What's more important? Is it the players or is it the scheme? Players. Now, as someone that was one of the best route runners of all time, what is the number one tip you give a young wide receiver?
1: I would say make everything look the same. Make it all look like you're going running a nine route, running a goal route. So, Coming off the football, make every route look similar to to the route you just finished.
0: All right. Now, what's the number one tip in looking at a cornerback for a sort of key as to what they may be doing?
1: Uh, Number one tip, I would say that um, uh, the cornerback will never lie to you. The safety will always lie to you. Fair enough.
0: Pre-game ritual, was there anything you had to do?
1: Pre-game ritual. Um, I'd say I had to eat. Um, I wasn't going out there on an empty stomach or no gas in the tank. So I had to eat.
0: Fair enough. Last one, and I think it's most important, given everything that you've been able to do and, and, of course, are still doing in different ways, what's the number one piece of advice that you would give to a young high school age student athlete that just wants to have the best career success in general in their life
1: i would say uh be built up internally build up your inner man um i just spoke uh in front of uh, fca in memphis just last week and my topic was uh meditating the importance of meditating god's word because what it does is it builds you up internally uh, not only that, but it gives you an inheritance. So if you're looking to be successful in anything you do, your partnership, your alliance, your intimacy with God Almighty is paramount.
0: There you have it. So it's Isaac Bruce Foundation, which can be found, of course, at isaacbruce.org. Uh, I know you're on Twitter at Isaac Bruce 80. And I believe even Instagram at Isaac Bruce 80. Did I miss anything outside of also smush cookies?
1: No, I think we got it all, man. I appreciate you for uh, going over it again.
0: I appreciate you taking the time.